Welcome to Careers in Your Ears, a podcast for PhD students and research staff thinking about their futures, made by the careers consultant team for researchers at King's College London. I'm Vicky Tipton, your host for today's episode. We're dedicating a whole series of the podcast to the topic of mental health and researcher careers. In our work as careers consultants, we know that there is a connection between life purpose and psychological well-being. And we wanted to explore through this series what's available to support the mental health of researchers and what can be done more widely in academia to make it a sector where people can thrive and flourish. In this series, you're going to hear from senior academics at King's, members of the research talent team and student and staff representatives. We'll also hear voices from outside academia. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Melissa Willis, Team Lead, Robotics and Artificial Intelligence Integrated Research Team at Sellafield Limited. A warm welcome to Careers in Your Ears, Melissa. Thanks, Vicky. It's lovely to be here. So could we start by asking you to share with us your career journey to date, Melissa? Sure, absolutely. So uh, leaving college, um, chemistry was absolutely my favourite subject. So I did an undergraduate master's degree in that um, at the University of Manchester. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed the independent research that we did in our master's year. Um, and I wanted to continue that. So I wanted to do a PhD, but I wanted to explore what was available outside of straight chemistry. Um, so I found a fantastic opportunity in the Centre for Doctoral Training for Advanced Metallics. Um, and this took people from any branch of science and engineering um, and retrained them as a material scientist. So I then did my PhD in material science um, looking at corrosion of nickel superalloys. Now, unfortunately, this PhD was sponsored by a company in the oil and gas industry, just as the oil and gas crash hit. Um, so I knew that um, opportunities for career out in oil and gas would be few and far between. So I started looking at other industries um, and I started looking at the nuclear industry because they've got similar material science challenges. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be offered a position on the Sellafield Graduate Scheme. Um, this was a two year scheme um, and it let me move around the company trying out different things. Um, and due to that, I got offered a role in the robotics and artificial intelligence integrated research team. So a bit of a segue through different subjects and career paths, but um, absolutely loving where I've ended up. So what do you do in your current role? Tell us a little bit more about your job at Sellafield at the moment. So the robotics and artificial intelligence integrated research team um, is part of our central research and development capability um, and part of my role is basically to undertake or commission robotics research which will ultimately help Sellafield in our decommissioning journey. Um, so I work very closely with academia um, developing robotic solutions through PhD students and postdocs, um, which we'll, we will then support through the commercialisation process so that we can start using them every day on the Sellafield site. Um, so we have um, a central robotics capability as well, um, and they're the same as me, but they work more with the supply chain, um, whereas I'm focused in academia. So it's a bit of a project manager, research manager, type role. Um, I don't actively do any of the research, but I get to talk to all the researchers that are doing it 
um, and explore which new universities we could be working with. Um, so it's it's a lot about networking and being personable, being able to articulate our challenges at Sellafield. Um, it's a lot of talking to people, which I really love. <laughs> so so absolutely a great role for me. Um, and the fab thing about robotics is that everybody's come from all sorts of backgrounds. Um, so I, I never feel like I'm out of my place having come from a material science background into robotics. Fantastic. Thank you very much. So just going back to your PhD, um, I know that when I've spoken to you previously um, that you've mentioned you felt a certain guilt about not working 24-7 on your PhD. And, and that that process affected your self-esteem and sort of induced anxiety. I just wondered what helped you in that situation and what advice might you have for current researchers listening to this in similar situations during their PhD? So the, the first time that I realised that something was wrong was when I spoke about how I was feeling just to a friend, um, someone else who was also doing a PhD. Um, and she'd had a, um, a previous experience with anxiety and things like that. And it was her that said to me, like, what you're feeling, the amount of guilt that you're feeling isn't normal. Um, she said, I think you could really do with reaching out and getting some additional support so that you can reframe your mind in terms of where you're at. So um, I was very fortunate. The University Counselling Service were absolutely brilliant. Um, took all of my concerns on board um, and put me on two different workshops at two different times. Uh, one was for low self-esteem and, and then the other one was for low mood, which was caused by anxiety. Um, I also did counselling through the NHS as well. So again, on two different occasions, one was I did an online course and then I got follow up one to ones over the phone. Um, and then when things got a little bit more like unstable, I would say, um, that's when I did in-person one-to-one counselling sessions. But yeah, the biggest thing was just talking to people, letting people know that you're you're not OK um, and you shouldn't ever have that pressure to be working 24-7. Um, it's not expected of you, but for some reason we put this expectation on ourselves. Do you think uh, specifically that's uh, researchers? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's because we're in this halfway house where we're not undergraduate students, so you don't necessarily get all the time off that they have during term time. Um, but you're not a full member of academic staff either. So you might not necessarily have a contract that says you've got 25 days annual leave and you have to take them. We're, we're in this limbo in between the two where you're not really sure how much annual leave you can take or how many hours you're contracted to work um, and so there's this expectation that we should always be working and that time off doesn't exist and we don't have the time to take time off um, but you absolutely do I promise you now <laughs> always take that time off because you will come back feeling so much better for it. Okay that's great so talking to others and taking the time off. Yeah absolutely even if it's even if you wake up one morning and you go you, you, and you just know yourself and you go, you know what, I'm not going to get anything done today. You'd be better just going out, going for a walk, getting some vitamin D, especially while the weather's as lovely as it is 
and trying again maybe in the afternoon or maybe just tomorrow um, rather than doing that thing where you sit in front of your computer and you just sit there all day and still don't get anything done but you haven't enjoyed yourself either. Okay thank you so much and just going back to sort of your experience um, of dealing with anxiety and feelings of low self-esteem during the PhD mm. I wonder then how you manage the process of essentially changing changing tack changing careers um, and what did you find helpful? Um, so originally I didn't manage it very well because um, I was I'd started my new job at Sellafield but I was also um, still writing my thesis um, and my new supervisor has asked whether we could get some further lab results so I was trying to manage working full-time writing a thesis and going into the lab to get some more physical results um, and other than my partner I hadn't really told anyone how much work I was actually taking on um, and I think it was about three months into my job at Sellafield um, and I picked the worst date my manager wasn't in his manager wasn't in and I was in my little bit of the office just by myself and I just burst out crying and I couldn't stop um, so I went over to some of our support team um, and they were absolutely brilliant one of the ladies there works in HR so she knew exactly what we could do within within there um, and then once everyone was back all my managers were informed and they were absolutely brilliant um, they allowed me like one day a week working from home so I didn't have to worry about the commute and they said if I wanted to use that to um, go into the lab I could do so I didn't have to do it the weekends and um, they didn't give me any additional work um, so I could work on my thesis during working hours if I want to um, they were absolutely amazing I couldn't have asked for more support from Sellafield in terms of getting me over the finish line for my PhD um, but outside of that I think the biggest thing for me was actually just being removed from that physical environment of the thesis that that building I'd been based in for four years actually just sitting somewhere new with new people and having a new thing to think about um, that really helped as well but yeah ultimately it was the support from Sellafield that that made the whole bit of difference. That supported the actual transition once you were moved you'd moved into Sellafield yeah. but you were still kind of overlapping with the thesis slightly yeah and I, and I wonder just out of interest what it was like as you were thinking about what to do after the PhD how 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 was that like working out what to do next oh that was really hard <laughs> um because honestly I didn't I didn't really know what I wanted to do um and that's why I was I I purposely looked at things like graduate schemes um because I'd had no industrial experience I'd, I'd just done nearly 10 straight years of academia um, and so I wanted something that gave me the opportunity to try out different roles um, but in a structured way um, and that was exactly what the Sellafield graduate scheme gave me so within the two years I had three different roles um, ultimately ending up in the robotics mm. IRT. And that's quite interesting in of itself aren't they? oftentimes working with PhD students graduate schemes aren't the first thing that they tend to think about? Yes, so I was I was the only person in my cohort that had done a PhD. Um, but as 
as it's gone on, I've seen more people come through the scheme with PhDs. Um, and I think it is a little bit different because you are surrounded by people who don't have the same qualifications as you do. But ultimately, that doesn't matter. There were still people in my cohort that were the same age as me um, and they'd just gone a slightly different route. They they did a few years travelling or they hadn't gone to university straight away. Um, so actually, you got people on the graduate scheme from all walks of life, all come at universities from different angles. Um, and you were all there to take advantage of what graduate schemes can offer. Um, and now I've come off the scheme I found that um, I'm accelerating through the business at a slightly faster pace than people that hadn't didn't have a PhD um, and so they're recognizing those additional years that you've spent developing um, although they're not taken into account at the time of the graduate scheme. That's great thank you very much and I just wonder if going back to um, the sort of the process that you went through during your PhD when mm. you were feeling that, those you know uh, feelings of anxiety and and low self-esteem and 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 I just wonder sort of what you learned about yourself uh, in that process and if there's anything that's come out of that that's helpful knowledge in your in your new career um the big thing for me was actually getting the diagnosis of anxiety it helped so much and it made it made so much of my childhood make sense as well like I thought it was normal to be physically sick on the first day of school I thought every child felt like that but actually there wasn't it was anxiety that was causing me to feel like that so I took a bit of solace actually in getting the diagnosis and because of all the counselling and support that I've got um, I'm able to understand a bit better like what can trigger the anxiety and make it feel particularly bad um, and then if that happens I've, I've got a better handle now on how to manage it um, and how not to get into those catastrophic spirals of if this one meeting goes bad that my whole life has ended and I will never get a job and my husband will leave me and all of those thoughts that were a daily occurrence um being able to know that just because that meeting's gone bad all of those other things aren't going to happen um and then part of that is actually to get through all of that you you become incredibly resilient um, and you've understood how strong you actually are to have gone through all of that and come out the other side and you're still going and you're still turning up every day and doing your best um, and and it was just it's those things really so even when I'm having a bad day now I know it's just a bad day it's not a bad life um, and I, I can appreciate that tomorrow will be better. Thank you that's really interesting and, and very helpful to hear and it sounds um as if what what you're really saying here if there's anyone listening who's feeling something similar that saying it out loud yeah uh, to somebody is going to really help and then thinking about the support services that you have in your university outside of the faculty outside of your um department or cdt whatever it might be there are independent supporting services there that can help 
um, and to, to be able to share that even with your employers. You've shared it mm -hmm. with people in your university, but you've shared it with your employers as well. And that has stood you in, in good stead and, and helped you to find your way forward through that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm very fortunate to have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful line manager. Um, and I've told her all about my experience during my PhD and how it was difficult and how I really suffered from the anxiety and the low self-esteem. Um, and part of that was because I never got any form of constructive feedback during my PhD. Um, there was feedback, but it was never, you could have improved by doing this. It was always just kind of you didn't do a good job, but there was never a reason why or how to make it better. Um, and my line manager now, she's really taken that on board. Um, and so she's absolutely brilliant. She gives me feedback whenever she can. Um, and it, generally it's always overwhelmingly positive, um, which is great. So that's really helped. Um, but she is she's very constructive. So she, if she thinks I can do it better, she will tell me. Um, and she's given me the right amount of challenge in my role so that I can push myself without getting too out of my depth. Um, and so I think having that support at work as well, um, if you have transitioned out of academia or in that process, um, I think the more you talk about these things, the more people understand them, the more they can help you. That's so interesting. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us today on Careers in Your Ears. And I'm really grateful to you for sharing uh, your very personal journey with mental health and well-being with us. And we wish you the best of luck in your current adventures. Thanks so much. Best of luck to everybody who's on their PhD journey. Thank you. And to those listeners, please do leave a comment. comment. Uh, follow us on Twitter at KCL Do One Thing using the numerical one. And join us for the next series of Careers in Your Ears, which should be coming out this summer. Thank you for listening.